I can't help but wonder what the artists, thinkers, and visionaries of the past would think of today's world. Like, would Alan Watts have a podcast? Would Marcus Aurelius be Twitter famous? Would Nietzsche do public speaking gigs about his New York Times bestseller? I feel like many people would think that they would just retire to the woods and do nothing and write all day like they did in the past. But I would argue the exact opposite. They would be smart. They're smart individuals. They would realize the raw power that the internet presents. They would realize that the internet is a vessel to spread their ideas to even more people than they originally could. Like how Alan Watts, his son, Mark Watts, is now doing the Being Here and Now podcast and kind of dissecting uh, Alan Watts's work along with that. And so I feel like, and he has said on there that Alan Watts would have loved this world. He probably would have had a podcast. And that is because humans have the innate drive to survive the ideas in their head, right? We reproduce on more planes than just the physical. That's why we have the drive to even talk to each other and survive our sense of self, which holds the ideas and beliefs in our head. We're trying to spread those to other people and let our ideas emanate throughout the ether. But that is not the main question that's on my mind. I, I love to think about like what the old philosophers and such would do with their time today. But I'm even more curious about who will be remembered from today's creator economy as these like grand philosophers or public figures that we hold in our mind and reference all of the time, not only when we're going about life, right? I'm sure you have some form of quote or big idea from these people, the old people, like Alan Watts, old people, but you have ideas from them that you love and that have influenced who you are and how you move within the world and the goals you have. And so who are going to be the people from today's age that fulfill that same purpose for the generation that is coming up? So in a previous chat with Justin C. Scott, shout out my dude, follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and soon YouTube incredible thinker, has impacted me in more ways than one. But we had a conversation when I went to go visit him. But here's what Justin said. The further removed an influential figure is from their time in history, the more mythical they become. People stop perceiving them as a person and begin to see them as something more, as the arbiter of certain ideas, concepts, and philosophies. They no longer live in the mind as someone who lived, but as an archetypal concept that feels as if they always were. In the times of Watts and Aurelius, their language was normal. And, and the way they speak now, we, the way that we perceive it, we perceive it as more deep than it really was during that time. Now, I'm not trying to discredit their ideas by any means here. What I'm trying to do is make you realize that you have the same power as them. They are no different from you in their cognitive capacity or abilities. Now, they may know more than you, but you have the ability to learn and develop a philosophy that could be potentially better and more helpful than theirs. And so as language evolved with our culture and society, so did our perception of the languages of old. In 100 years from now, when language continues to change and evolve with the things like memes, right? The, the Gen Z, they have their own language. They have their own vernacular and I'm not really a fan of it because we'll get to this eventually, but as Terrence McKenna says that thought can only go as far as the language that paves the road. If Gen Z is creating this like watered down crappy language, so to say, it's not going to allow for thought to go very far. So 
by the creation of their own language through memes, they're going to dig themselves into a hole and potentially not do anything great with their lives. This is a blanket statement. There's going to be a few that do great things. And that's just the thing. Today's creators will be seen eventually as ancient artifacts. And I find that fascinating. And that is a big driver of my work. And what I keep in mind as I'm creating, creating these things is, will it be timeless? Will someone else take this video, maybe not this one specifically, but another one and put it on the internet as a lecture as they would do with Alan Watts, right? What's going to be the platform like YouTube of the future or a podcasting platform where people are going to take my stuff or anyone's and put it up and people are going to listen to it throughout time in history. And th this is kind of obvious, but people like Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, and Mr. Beast, they're so large, they're larger than life, and they've already added their own thread to the cultural tapestry that we continue to weave. But who will be the generation of the next creators? I'll let your imagination run wild to answer that question, but I genuinely believe that it will be much, much, much larger. I've, I've thought about this so much and how the internet has given the individual, many individuals, many more individuals than there were in the past, and that will only continue to grow. It gives them a voice. It gives you the ability to actually create something of value and develop your own philosophy and spread it to others and test it against time and feedback from that audience. And so all of these people, the way that I see it, are going to gravitate towards others with similar interests, we're each going to have 10, 20, 50, maybe 100, like layered down, we're all going to have like the top three creators that we love. And then under that, they're going to be like, I like those creators, I follow them. And then under that is going to be like, I've seen their work, I like what they do. And maybe I've studied them before, but now they're in the back of my mind. They don't really serve a purpose for me anymore. So a hundred ish creators are going to sit in everyone's minds and those are going to be all niched and interconnected with each other. So there is much, much, much more room for these public figures or creators or just impactful ideas and philosophies to come to fruition. Because that's the thing, I've talked about this before in the future of the creator economy, but every creator has an audience that they educate and entertain according to their interests and expertise and goals, right? So I align with certain people. That's why I have an audience. Other people align, could say the same exact thing that I do, but from their lens, from their experience, they could be completely different from me in terms of looks, obviously, and just upbringing in the philosophies that they like. And they're bringing like business concepts from the lens of business. Maybe they're bringing it from the lens of fitness. I'm bringing it from the lens of spirituality and philosophy. But the exact point behind this is that this eliminates all saturation within the creator economy and everyone can do this. I was talking with Cole Blackburn. Shout out to you as well, man. We had dinner the other night and he said he read from a book somewhere, it's a bunch of hearsay, but he said he read from a book somewhere that was written like maybe 50 years ago that everyone in the future, their job will be to help heal one another. And so I've kind of made this point before is that everyone is a life coach. I don't recommend calling yourself a life coach, but everyone at some point in their journey, especially business journey, once they've accumulated enough experience, they're, they, they become philosophers, they become life coaches and they help others actualize everyone's purpose on this earth in my eyes, and what I've seen to be the most fulfilling thing to do is to help others self-actualize through what is now the creator economy. So in, in my eyes, there is an emerging digital society, right? There, there's already a digital society there, but it is becoming more known, more conscious, more people are getting online, more people are actually participating in this society that is forming intangibly on the internet. And so every single person that was remembered throughout time had one thing in common. They were massive 
value providers. They were fountainheads of perspective, knowledge, and insight. They didn't attempt to hold their thoughts in their finite conscious attention, in their finite headspace. They had to write it down. They had to share it with other people and iterate over time. Because if you don't write an idea down, how else are you going to improve it, right? You just let it sit there and then it it just gets old. It entropy takes hold and it's like a it's like a book on a bookshelf in the back of your mind where it gets dusty and gross and you don't really use it. Writing is how you use your ideas and social media allows anyone to write in public. Make this connection because I still feel that just so many people don't see the power in social media, right? They just think, oh, memes and I get to distract myself and all this other shit. It's the most powerful invention that's like ever been invented fucking ever. It's how you network. It's how you meet new people. It's how I've traveled across the globe to meet new friends. It's how I built a business. It's how almost everyone on social media that are actually doing something on there right now are building a business. And by being a consumer, see, there's two things. There's consumers and then there's producers, but then there's creators, which are both because creators have to consume in order to create. They have to participate in the digital society that is forming and contribute to it. And so once everyone is there, everyone is in this community, large scale community, unlike the old where there was the tribes and everyone had their purpose within the tribe that made it work. This is a much larger scale where there's communities within communities within communities and every it's just fractals, right? Universe. So the people of old, what they did in their time and what we are doing now on the internet is we wrote or they wrote, spake, marketed and sold their ideas, whether it was in the form of a product or service or not. A product or service is just a big idea with smaller ideas in it that you sell to other people for a price tag. Other things like you writing a tweet is just you writing and selling and marketing an idea to other people. The reason that Aurelius and Watts and Nietzsche and all of these other people, their ideas have survived is because they were good at marketing and sales. If you still have those negative connotations around marketing and sales, stop because you don't understand what they are you don't understand that they are applied human psychology they're how you capture attention they're how you make your ideas impactful and they are how you change people's lives for the better you have to learn marketing and sales of course there's bad to it there's scammers there's whatever don't pay attention to them and so i've talked about this before this brings previous this brings depth to my previous video the million dollar skill stack where i talk about writing speaking marketing and sales as the evergreen skills and then pairing your personal interests with those and pairing results oriented skills that you can adapt the evergreen skills to there's a lot to it watch the video but today's world is different as i said you have access to the fucking internet so you are either providing value on the internet or you are putting it off until you are forced to to survive because that is how evolution is unfolding right now towards social media and the internet. And you're going to have to survive. You, you're doing it right now. If you're not in control of your life, I'm guessing that you were somewhat forced. You may not perceive it as this, but this is what it is. You were forced to get a job so that you can pay the bills and do whatever you want to do instead of taking control of your life, realizing the potential of social media and that everything is going to be operating within there. They're not just apps. It is everything. And if social media isn't so important, why are you on it every single day? Why does it consume 80%, 60%, 50% within there, within that range of your entire life? And so with the internet has emerged these digital tools that are extremely important to being able to build and further progress and evolution as it is. Of course, all of this has negative ramifications as everything does. Creation demands destruction. 
or sacrifice. There has to be something. In order to create, something else must be destroyed. The law of energy transfer or whatever it is, alchemy. The power has shifted back into the hands of the individual. You have the ability to become highly skilled in any valuable topic you want in three to six months, form a high-level network that feeds you opportunities. This was impossible with prior barriers of physical location and attract an audience to your life's work so you can get paid to do what you enjoy. Humans solve problems to evolve. That's all this is. That's why we're here. And I have a firm belief that we have problem solved our way to finally getting to the point where we can finally solve the problem for ourselves to do what we love for a living. That's always been a marketing angle, right? This is what I love to talk about because it's actually possible now where this used to be like a, a scammy marketing angle where it's like, do what you love for a living. And then they teach you this. It's possible now. It's more than possible. You just have to figure out how to do it. Thought can only go as far as the language that paves the road. That is from Terence McKenna. We are smack in the middle of the second renaissance and thought leaders are emerging left and right. This is this is not to be taken lightly. I used to think like a year ago, I used to think that the term thought leader was extremely cringe. And now I believe that it is arguably the most important endeavor that you can take on in your life. Just from the last quote alone, thought can only go as far as the language that paves the road. In order to be a thought leader, that means that you need to expand your language and everything else that allows it to expand to get there. You have to lead your thoughts. And in order to do that, you have to bust through the barriers that allow you to expand your thought and mind. And that's what's going to take us into the future, a good future, because you need to have the idea of something good before it can actually be built. You can't just build something without the idea of it or the vision of it without the idea for a plow, we would not have a plow. Without the idea for a camera, I would not be filming this video. Without the idea for whatever is to come next, the idea isn't there yet. No one has discovered it because they haven't thought leadership themselves to that point. There is so many, there's unlimited ideas waiting to be discovered out there that any one of us can find through exploration of the unknown. And then we lead ourselves into where we build in accordance with that and change the course of evolution. So to become a thought leader, you must first learn to lead yourself. By leading yourself into the unknown, you expose yourself to novel ideas and perspectives, new potentials for your life and others, skills that you must acquire to push further, and results you must get with those skills to maintain progress. A thought leader will not be a thought leader for long if they cannot build a solution that gets results for the people that they are passing it down to, right? And in other words, you can't just be an armchair philosopher. You, In order to practice something like spirituality, you have to build a business. The times where my spiritual practice is the best is when I am fucking pissed, aka yesterday at, damn, I shouldn't name drop them. I was so mad. Like this was the first time I was actually like angry not with the person at the desk. I'll, I don't need to go into it, but I was angry, like in public, like I felt bad for that. And that's exactly it, where I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing that. I knew that I was like having an emotional lash out because I was just, I was so mad. And then driving home, just brooding in the car, like angry, not knowing what to do. And then it's like, okay, spiritual practice time. Like I need to get out of this, right? And so it's like, start peeling back, realize, gain perspective. Okay, calm down. And then let that emotion like reach equilibrium. But it's times like that or when you're sad or when you don't get what you want or you build and you fail. You have to do the things that put you into a low point in life so that you can actually practice 
spirituality. If you're doing fucking nothing, if you're a monk in the woods or a monk in a monastery, is that really that much of a spiritual practice if you have nothing to practice on, right? If you're just sitting there meditating and trying to, I'm sure you can go deeper and deeper and like God realization, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the best spiritual practice is practicality, like actually pursuing goals as we talked about in the last video. And with each goal that you pursue, unlocking a lesson inward by spirituality, learning how to like emotional intelligence and other practical applications for your mind. So true thought can only go as far as the experience you have. And so here is how you build your legacy in the new world. Step one is to identify what you must do. There are infinite roads to take to get to the life you want, right? And so the first thing we need is just direction. We need some form of an angle somewhere out there, a faint light in the unknown that we can aim towards. It doesn't have to be crystal clear. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have, you don't need to know with absolute certainty that that is what you want for your future. You just need something. You need direction so that you can move. So the way to do this is to dance between your desired future and your despised future, right? Vision and anti-vision. What do you want and what do you not want? I want, let's say, to be able to walk 20,000 steps a day just because I like it, right? My despised future is having to be locked in a cubicle so that I only even have the time to walk 2,000 steps every single day. That sounds like a living fucking hell to me. So as you experience life, be conscious and observant of those around you. Take mental notes of lives that you do not want to live. Study the habits, patterns, and ideas of successful individuals. Add brushstrokes to the vision of your ideal future over time. Second thing is to solidify a vessel for actualizing that reality. This is where most people go wrong. They dream and dream about doing incredible things, but they let it remain a dream. Why? Because they don't have a clear and certain path for making it work. People think that you need 100% certainty when 100% certainty is what got you into this situation in the first place. Nothing certain is worth it. A job is certain to many extent. Most people have had and can get a job. College, schooling, public schooling, anything that is free and what everyone else is doing is certain. You know that you can go and do it. You know that it's comfortable. Retiring, whatever government and society has set up for you, for you to remain obedient to it, is certain. Nothing that you pursue on your own is going to be certain. And that's why it's worth it. So you need skills and interests that you can practice and apply for life to the direction that you are moving in. You can't just learn a few, get a job, and then remain stagnant for the rest of your life. There's no substance there. And, and the thing here is, is that it truly doesn't matter what skills or interests you start with, right? You just have to start learning something that you think will help you move in the right direction. If you want to start a business, then start learning about freelancing, start learning web design, start learning whatever, because then if you're conscious and you self-reflect and you're moving forward and you realize, oh, this is a problem. This is what I don't like. This is what I like. This is what I don't want. This is what I want. Okay, now I need to learn a new skill and that is going to complement my current skill. Uh, or maybe I don't want to start a business yet and I want to go for relationships and you continue like moving in an extremely jagged line towards what you want in this life while achieving small goals along the way and experience compounds. It compounds. It's exponential. And so before you know it, two, three, four years into the journey, you're so much further ahead than you thought you would be. And you know exactly what to do to continue compounding that experience. And so it's like you need to understand how to identify and solve problems where it's like, oh, I want to start a business. I want to start an e-commerce business, but I don't have the money to 
by product. And it's like, okay, you can't start an e-commerce business. Stop fooling yourself. Start a lower cost business. Start freelancing. Start the one person business that I talk about. Become a creator. Build a personal brand so that you have leverage for when you do want, can start the actual e-commerce store, right? And if you don't want to start that, then what's next? You need money for something else? Then try a budgeting technique. Try learning about finance. Maybe learn a skill to get a better job. And then once you're there and realize I don't like this job, now it's time to start a business. You solve problems until you get what you want. And the thing there is what you want is never permanent. You just have, you, you have to continue playing the game. The game doesn't end. And that's what makes it fun. You don't want the game to end. There is no self-help prescription or business prescription required for any of this. People that started a business on their own and made it work like in the past, how did they make it work? They didn't have any of this prior knowledge. Like you don't need to study anything. You have a self-corrective compass called a mind that you can use to do better in this world. Now, I'm not saying that the other the advice isn't helpful. It's extremely helpful, but it is not your God. It is not your master. So now let's discuss a powerful habit formation heuristic. This is step number three is just better decision making in your day to day life. So the first question I have for you is if you don't know why you were doing something, why are you doing it? Most people are unconscious as to why they are making 99% of the decisions that they are making, right? It's mechanical, it's robotic, it's animalistic, it's not human, it's not conscious. So you have to start questioning every single thing that you do. Everything. If there is no conscious intention or goal or what you're stretching towards or the why, the reason behind what you're doing, then stop doing it. Why are you going out to drink and party? I'm not telling you to stop doing it. Don't mistake that here. I love the occasional party. I party quite often. I mean, not I say quite often. That doesn't mean like every day or even every week at times, maybe twice a month, once a month, more or less. But I partying, drinking has brought me more success and just through conversations and through de-stressing and, and allowing myself to just let go of work for a bit. And yes, reaching that force low in life where I woke up hungover, absolutely hating the decision that I made and getting pissed at myself and using that to launch in the next direction the next day and just wake up full force to make sure that I do make progress, right? There's see how I'm developing reasons here where I can question and understand and go into the party situation much more consciously and not let it ruin my life. So back to questioning, why are you shoving those spicy McChickens? down your throat. Again, I'm not telling you to stop because I've, I go to McDonald's sometimes, not really, not that often, but other like other fast food places. Sure. Like I love double Western bacon cheeseburgers from Carl's Jr. I still haven't had that in like two years, but what have I had recently? Like fast food, Taco Bell, oh, dude, Taco Bell's bad. But uh, the same thing there is like, why are you eating it? Is there intention? Do you have the knowledge as to how that comes into play in in the holistic sense in terms of your health, or do you eat that for every meal, right? For me, it's like 80-20 rule, where it's not even that, 95-5 rule, where yeah, sometimes if someone wants to go to Taco Bell and I think about it, I'm like, I could afford this. Like maybe it is time to stop being a disciplined little fuck and actually go and like let loose and let, again, let the low balance out the high. Because if you're just so disciplined all the time for one specific thing, that's not how the universe works. There's highs and lows mental, physical, every plane of existence. And so if you're just like 100% on it all the time, I have a I have questions for you because I do not feel like that is a good way to live. So 
back to questioning. Why are you laying in bed instead of going to the gym? Why are you going to work after complaining about how you hate it? Because you have to? Is that not wage slavery? Do you even care? Are you lying to yourself that it's for another reason? Are you going to do anything about it? Or are you just going to keep doing the same things until the day you die? When will you allow yourself to become fully conscious of the situation you built yourself into? The answers to these questions may shock you if you are honest with yourself. There are no wrong actions. There are only actions without intention. Lead your thoughts. Step number four is personal distribution, which has only really became a thing recently. So building an audience or readership or, or just distribution or attention is not only for online business. It is the new way of life. Building personal distribution is how you get a job without a job board, sell a book without a publisher, make music without a record label. You have to be you, learn to persuade, and that's how you launch ahead of the competition. I'm in the process of self-publishing my own book after talking to various publishers and people like that and realizing that like, hey, I have this distribution. I can hit bestseller if I want to. I can do this, that, and that just because I built a distribution for myself, right? Same thing with... Like if I ever want to get into music production, which I kind of want to at some point, it's always been nagging me in the back of my mind. Maybe that's a sign. But at the same time, since I have distribution, it's not fair. It's not fair by any means, but I'm going to launch ahead of the people that have been obsessively creating music for the past 10 years, simply because they just don't have distribution. They don't understand money. They don't understand the game. They don't understand that if I have 3 million people following me and you have 100, it doesn't matter how good my music is at that point, even if it is good, right? If it's bad and I get on stage and I can fill the room with people because I have the audience and you can't, that's money for the business of the music industry. And they're going to always favor me over you. And so another example here with the book is that the average self-published book sells around 250 copies. That's a Googled statistic, but God, that hurts. They make less than a thousand a year. So not only can I guarantee a lot more book sales than that, like, geez, I, I, I also know that my book is going to do 10 times better because I've validated all of the ideas in it over the past three to four years of having my ideas validated on social media, YouTube, Twitter, whatever. I know what ideas perform well. I know what sticks with my reader An audience. I mean, an author going into that blindly thinking, oh, this is going to hit. You don't know that I do. My book is going to do 10 times better simply because I'm doing everything I fucking said in this video and the thing I've been telling you to do for a long time. And it doesn't stop there. I can start a supplement line and make it work. I can build a gym and make it work. I can build an apparel brand and make it work. I can relaunch my planner. It doesn't have to be uh, according to my specific interests. Even I can partner with other brands. So the fifth and final step is to focus on perspective development. So, so, so important. I keep talking about perspective because the biggest shift for me in building an audience or distribution and like having it actually be good, like the people enjoy your work. It isn't about the latest audience growth hacks and tactics. Those work and you have to use those in order to grow as a beginner, especially just to get momentum. But the, the thing once you get started for established creators is novel perspectives and being able to bring a unique angle to the ideas that are already working that people love because they're impactful to their life right you do like if an idea isn't it doesn't do anything for someone but you think it's good then it's not good because i don't see how ai everyone's like afraid of ai taking away writers or creators or whatever i don't see any way that ai 
could take something like Ken Wilber's theory of everything and all of its little components and map each and every one of those to the creator economy like I've done before. So like in terms of like stages of ego development or spiral dynamics of that case, can AI take that and create something of the stages of creator development, right? And, and map that because that comes from experience. AI doesn't have like experience and that unique experience that comes from nothing. It is created. And so that's what I'm talking about here is you need to prioritize perspective development. So you need to lead your thoughts. You need to expand your own perspective and collect others by reading books and uh, actually pursuing goals in the world and applying what you learn to them and slowly and slowly being able to do things like that that are more advanced and hit people harder and help them expand their mind further because the the creator economy is a game of mental warfare the more ideas you spread that form the identity and worldview of other individuals the more success will come to you and so if none of this makes sense to you it's because you're not building anything and you're watching this video without doing fucking anything about it go and do something and then enjoy the rest of your day because that's the end of the video but of course like subscribe links in the description to our writer will teach you how to write online don't you, I don't want to hear any of your objections about AI or any of that shit. I teach you how to avoid that. Digital Economics Masterclass, a very expensive course that will actually change your life. And then other stuff there that you can find and enjoy, but that was a long video. So we're coming back with the very long videos. No more short videos. I'm dedicated to the long ones. I enjoy the long ones. I enjoy writing them. And so the next one will probably be even longer. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace.